Thank you for joining me in today's video. This video is a bit different to normal as it is a storytelling video. I wanted to do this for some time now and I was very fortunate that a lovely gentleman named Jacob Sanex got in contact with me and asked me if I would like to read one of his books in my video. Not the whole thing, of course, but I was very excited as I'm a huge fan of anything fantasy, as you guys know. And he was also kind enough to send me the follow-on book in this series, and also two from another series that he's written based on King Arthur, which is another one of my favourite topics. I will link the books down below, should you like to purchase them yourself. Now I will begin reading Dark Oak. Chapter 1 This is not a story about a dark lord, though there was one, and his name was Argren. There were once creatures that could be described as inherently evil, moulded at the time of the devising. There had been black and white, good and evil, light and dark. But Argren was about to die. The woodcutter, however, was not. Not yet. A thousand years had passed since Argren drove the survivors of mankind from the old continent, but although they had started new lives in other lands, they had never given up hope of returning home. Their descendants built their strength in secret, and as the centuries passed, Argrim paid the exiles less heed. In time, a fire kindled in the dry grass of his complacency, and when Queen Catherine landed her troops, Argrim found himself outmatched. The armies of mankind marched once more across the wastelands of the old continent. The monstrous creatures of the devising stood to meet them in final battle, Commanded by Argren himself, he supplemented his army with enslaved men from the hinterland, who were forced to fight against their own kind. Morick the woodcutter was one such a man. He had spent the final days of the battle charging up and down the front line, roaring at anyone who took a step backwards, hurling those who faltered back into position and shouting, hold the line so many times that the words echoed in the cellars and back rooms of his mind until the day he eventually died. As the lone regiment of human conscripts amongst the unruly horde of Argrin's devised, the men of the hinterlands had initially been positioned at the centre of the battle line, but though they had fought hard and gained ground, 
The same could not be said of Argrin's troops on either side of them. The devised were an undisciplined mob, as likely to turn on their own as to stand against their enemy, and though the combined people ruled over by Queen Catherine and her consort, Lord Lochlan, were far fewer in number, their soldiers were well-armed, regimented and hardy, their superiority began to tell. The human cavalry harried Argrin's flanks, throwing the lines of devised into disarray. So it was that Argrin's divided the regiment of the hinterland and sent the two halves to the flanks, leaving the defence of the centre to his innumerable but unreliable devised. Warwick and his fellow pikemen saw off the horsemen, driving the points of their long pikes into any mount that charged them. As sweat dripped from their brows, and their muscles began to fatigue, the men quietly hoped their opponents would be victorious, that their liberation was at hand. Victory for humanity was close. Lord Linwood was the most powerful of the Queen's lords, and he saw not only the danger to his heavy cavalry on the flanks, but also the new weakness at the centre. He charged into the creatures of the devising, and decimated their ranks. Catherine and Lachlan rallied their people, and led the infantry into the chaos at the very heart of Argrin's army. They toiled hard at their bloodwork until finally, Argrin strode to meet the queen and her consort. Together they struck the Dark Lord down, and the devised fell back in dismay. Pursued by the queen and her lords, they fled in all directions as they sought escape, trampling all in their way, even their slaves, the menfolk of the hinterland. At the exact moment Queen Catherine's spear pierced Argrin's throat, Warwick was sleeping. He awoke only when his tent collapsed and his cot overturned, depositioning him in the thick mud. Warwick rolled onto his side at the sound of roaring voices and trampling feet raged around him. His world had been reduced to darkness. He struggled to find his way out from under a press of canvas, crawling and feeling about him for his axe, but no avail. Finally, he found the edge of the tent, and his head emerged into the dim light before the door. The creatures of the devising were rampaging through the camp, snarling, slashing, and falling over one another in a ferocious surging retreat. The stampeding remnants of Algren's army crushed each other underfoot, in their haste to force a path before them, and in their wide, panicked eyes, Morrick saw a glimmer of hope for himself and his people. They're fleeing, he thought. It's over. We're free. Morrick lumbered to his feet, tottering slightly, and rather than follow his first instinct to warn off the approaching creatures with a roar, he chose instead to gather his weapons and hoped not to be jostled or stabbed as the creatures of the devising passed him by. 
They had been unwilling allies for many years, but Morik and all of the conscripts knew never to trust the devised. A warning shout might be provocation enough for them to turn on his whole regiment. There was no time for relief at the overthrow of the Dark Lord, or his newfound freedom, not when Argwin's creatures were bearing dawn upon his men, utterly without regard for human life. He searched through the wreckage of his tent, and found his wood axe underneath his smashed cot. He snatched up his leather helm, glad he had slept in his breast and backplate, but left the rest of his possessions where they lay. So armed, Morrick looked about him. His men were in similar states, either drawing themselves out from collapsed shelters, or hurrying out into the open as they rubbed sleep from their weary eyes. Several were wondering aimlessly, and looked at risk at being carried off into a tide of devise. Others were trampled underfoot or cut down by the creatures as they fled. Having spent less than a second weighing up the risks, Morrick listened to his gut. He hollered above the din of the retreat, holding his wood axe aloft. Men of the hinterland, stand to your arms, form upon me. You there, form upon me. The closest of his men paid heed, and they in turn shouted out to those further away. In the coming moments, Morrick could pick out some fifteen men in ruddy woollen tunics, forcing a path through where he stood. Well done, lads, he said, looking at each of their faces in turn, before guiding them into formation. Ranks of three, keep your weapons drawn. Audric, you're my right-hand marker. The men scurried into a block with Audric on the right of the front rank. Only two of them carried their pikes. The rest were either unarmed or carried short swords or daggers. All had followed his advice and slept in armour. Good, he thought. Good lads. Right hand file. Face the devised. Morrick shouted. And Audric echoed the order, his booming voice carrying across the din. The men obeyed. Morrick moved ahead of the block. Prepare to march, advancing to the front. March, he shouted, and he was once more echoed by his right-hand marker. Their feet moved as one, and the block began to advance across to the face of the devised, toward the front line where the rest of the regiment had been posted. Morrick gripped his axe in both hands, looking all about him, ever watchful. As they moved, feet slipping in the mud and the salt of their sweat stinging their eyes, more stragglers joined them and swelled their numbers. The right-hand file that faced the enemy grew from five to ten men, still three deep as they sidled onwards. Morrick stood to the lee of the block, and picked another steady man. You there, Elmick, go to the rear. Keep the men steady there. Elmick nodded and bustled into position. Thus satisfied, 
Morik addressed his men as they shuffled onwards. We force a path through to the front and join the rest of the regiment. Does anyone know what's happened? No, sergeant, Morik nodded, expecting as much. It looks as though the centre has been broken. If so, Argwin's army has been divided in two, and even if we aren't killed by the devised, we'll shortly be surrounded by the combined people. We must look to strengthen numbers and to ourselves now. We must find the rest of the regiment. Courage now and keep your eyes about you. The devised could turn on us at any time. The way was slow and treacherous. They steered a course around an upturned wagon and picked their way between Argrin's fallen beast riders. Morik noted broken pikes embedded in some of the mounts. This did not bode well and he clung to the fervent, hoping that if his regiment had been forced to engage Argrin's own cavalry, that they had come off better and retreated as a unified body. Certainly, though, they were dead men at his feet. There seemed not enough to suggest utter carnage. From where he marched on the lee side of the block, he was protected from the swarm and could watch as the horde tore onward, their filthy reek hanging in the air, joining the dank odour of the battleground and the smell of rotting flesh that seemed ever-present. Mercifully, the rampaging creatures let them be, and began to thin out as the block drew near to the rest of the regiment. Morik was able to see a little better in the direction from which they had flown. Sure enough, the enemy cavalry were driving the device toward them. He could see their banners flying and their hounds gleaming red under the rising sun. A sea of horsemen rushed in to fill up the ground between Morik's side of Argrin's army, and the other divided and asunder. Far in the distance, Morik knew. The other half of his regiment was isolated, and in a similar predicament. Where is Argrin? But of the Dark Lord there was no sign, of course. Morik could see very little, and concentrating anew, he set about the task of finding the main body of his half of the regiment. It was a great relief to see the ruddy tunics ahead of him, nestled under a crown of pikes. They had charged for a horse, circled around the drums, facing outwards with the points of their pikes angled to impale any approaching horse. The devised were still paying his men little heed, but to Morik's dismay, he saw that half of the regiment not fending them off were under attack. Lord Linwood's cavalry charged toward the pikemen and slashed at their weapons as they tried to force a way through. Seeing the regiment near surrounded, Morik's men began to curse, sob, or fall stone silent as they marched, each according to their constitution. Courage now, he said, the words barely audible, as a feeling of dread settled upon him. 
he could not be certain if he was reassuring the men or himself. A cry came from the assembled regiment, and Morick recognised a fellow sergeant standing among the conscripts, now just mere yards away from them. Prepare to open the line and let them in, the sergeant cried as he waved, halberd in hand. It was at this moment that a phalanx of Argrins devised, seeing their path to escape narrowing as the two groups of men closed together, set about Morrick's right-hand file with claw, blade, and cudgel, trying to force their way through. The uproar of war was renewed with fresh screams, shouts, the shriek of iron upon iron, and the sounds of butchery. Skulls smashed, bodies punctured, and Morrick's men began to fall. Fall back to the regiment, fall back, Morrick called, and those of his men not already facing the pikemen began to wheel, stepping backwards towards the opening gap in the line. Fighting and dying as they went, Morrick ran toward Elmwick, who, as the farthest man out, had the longest distance to travel for safety. He thrust his axe skyward as he reached the boy, checking the downward stroke of a devised mace. Morrick threw off the weapon, pulled back his own and drove the head of it into the beast's neck. Boiling blood spurted into his face as the axe struck fast. The creature contorted as it stood pinned. Morrick worked the axe free and roared into the faces of his new enemy as he backed away, hewing at anyone who dared approach his men. There was no call to fear the threat of the rooted devise for long. The enemy cavalry, heavily armed and bearing the banners of the combined people, dashed through the fleeing horde, ploughing them under the flank as they swept around the bunched pikemen. His block within the relative safety of the charged pikes, Morrick turned to the south to be sure that the devise were not doubling back towards them. But as he did so, he was thrown forward by a blow to the back of his head. It sent his brain hurtling against his skull. He grunted once and blacked out before his body slid into the mud. The feet of Argrin's defeated enemy stamped him into the mud as it retreated and his face sank into the wet dark as the battle drew to a close. And so the reign of Argrin's failed upon what became known as the Field of the Scarlet Grass. Lord Lachlan and Queen Catherine carved Argrin's body into many pieces as he lay pierced and defenceless, struck down not merely by spear and blade, but by his own complacency in facing them alone. Their heavy cavalry under the command of Lord Linwood drove the creatures of the devising from the field and hemmed in those that survived to be dealt with when battle was done. Their steadfast warriors fought hard and suffered great loss as they battled those devised who still stood their ground. Amongst them monstrosities, ten times the size of a man, but eventually all of Argrin's creations were slain or 
in the case of those with a capacity to do so, surrendered. Throwing down their arms in realisation of defeat, thousands of Argrin's creatures turned from overlords to prisoners in the passing of a single hour. Mankind stood bloodied but triumphant, most of mankind. Thank you so much for listening to that little reading. I hope you enjoyed it and I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you so much again for all of your support. It really means the world to me and all of your suggestions as well. I really can't believe how nice everyone can be and I really am thankful for how nice you all have been and how welcoming as well as I'm still relatively new to the ASMR community. Um, I really appreciate it so much and thank you for watching this video. I hope you're feeling relaxed and at peace and if you have fallen asleep I hope you're having great dreams. <laughs> Thanks again and all my love. Take care.